This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the K-12 Tech Talk studios, this is K-12 Tech Talk, episode 82 this is a little bit of a special episode. We have uh, Infoblox with us tonight. We'll introduce them here in a little bit and, let, and have them tell us what Infoblox can do for schools. Uh, but first, Chris and I will kind of banter about the week that was. Chris, what have you been up to? We've been rolling out a new phone system. Um, I think I unpacked it a little bit before we went with Zoltis. Uh, so we've been swapping out phones left and right. It's been a Pretty good deployment. It's been um, all week so far. I'd say we're about 95% finished. We've been working on the custodians and all the waxing going on and <laughs> that kind of thing, but but it's been going pretty good. Fresh wax is indeed a hallowed ground. Uh, what about you? Have, uh, it's It's been a pretty wild week. Uh, it's been busy. We've had meeting after meeting after meeting. We finally moved back into our office. I don't know if I ever mentioned that. We got kicked out of our office so they could redo it and move in, build, throw up some new walls, build some new offices, and we're getting some outsiders in our office. Well, we finally moved back. Um, as of today, we still don't have ceiling tile in nice. our bathroom. Our bathroom doesn't work. Um, so we're, we're in that space because we wanted to vacate the library that we were working out of. Um, and then yesterday, we started our switch installer. We were overhauling our edge switching Cool. Um, and that's been kind of, we're learning things as we go. Um, we went with extreme networking and, and one of the things that I have found out, I've known for a while that extreme, when you build a VLAN and an extreme switch, you build it by name and then you give it a tag number. It's kind of backwards of Cisco and Aruba and everybody else. When you convert a standalone switch or multiple standalone switches into a stacked environment with stacking cables. If those VLAN names, not the numbers, but the names themselves, because that's what the switches go off of to identify the VLAN, if okay. they do not, if they do not match, you are in for a world of hurt. Um, things don't meld well, they don't mesh well. So you gotta go back in and manually kind of change things around. So bad on my part, I guess. Um, I didn't realize that mattered as much over the last eight years when we, we would throw a new switch in and I'd and I'd I'd quickly make VLANs that I knew what they were, but the the word didn't match what the existing switch was. Um, I gotcha. But the the weird thing about it is on a on a tagged uplink port, like if if you're not stacking, if you're uplinking from copper to copper or fiber to you know a fiber port, GBIC, um, it it goes by the tag number. It doesn't go by the name. So I, I don't know. It, it's been a learning experience. We'll just leave that alone. The other thing I learned was my core is not an extreme switch. It's an uh, Aruba branded switch for the connection from my core to the MDF in the buildings. Apparently AutoSense, uh, AutoSense speed and duplex didn't work or doesn't work or freaks it out. So I had to go into my core and hard code the connection speed and duplex to gig full and the connection came up. We we beat our. You're having like together. a really good time. Yeah, it. We spent five hours on one building yesterday, just getting started, and we ran into three problems. And now that we've got those three problems addressed, 
we know going forward in the following right. buildings, you know, okay, we, I have to go in and I have to change my speed mismatch thing. We know if, if there's a stack switch somewhere in this building, it's probably going to be screwed up because Josh didn't create the names to match in the mm-hmm. original config. Um, I forget what the other one, but yeah, it's, it's been rough. I really honestly did not think it would take them three days, but it, it's going, they're coming back tomorrow. It's going to take them, which I feel bad for them. You've been Whatever. in the uh, technical trenches. Have, yeah. has, has your team been um, impressed that you're fixing problems and helping? No, they know. No, my team doesn't do, they don't, they're hands off with the network. <laughs> they, they know okay. that the network is mine. So you better uh, get it. Yeah. So they're like, I, uh, this week, like, so we had, we, we, we had a couple of SIP speakers um, and we need to do some cable runs. So I volunteered myself. It had been a bit. Yeah. But I ran some network cabling this week. And I can still put an end on. I know, I still know white, orange, orange. I can still go through the bit. No, I, I have people that know how to do that. I don't, I don't do that. that <laughs> All right. That so be- we have we have info blocks uh, in the room. Um, and we have David and John. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing really good. Doing good. Doing good. We Thank should you. say, we, we haven't said it. Mark is normally on the podcast with us. We kicked him out. Um, and he is such a character on here. It takes two of you guys to come on to just match up with Mark. Yeah. So you do have Mark's big kind of, to fill. He's got a vacation hangover or something. He, uh, I think he had too much of a good time in, in Wyoming. So, wow. so yeah, he, he's been riding horses and everything yeah. else. Like, yeah. And tech guys don't ride horses. I don't think not to yeah, stereotype, but yeah, especially Mark. I mean, that, that would have been a sight. So, so yeah, we, we, we wanted to just, have you guys on and unpack info blocks. We've talked about you guys now for five episodes. Um, I feel like we probably dropped the ball a couple of times and we want to make sure that, that we are getting the proper word out about all the info blocks does. I know that you guys do security stuff. Uh, we've talked about DNS management and DHCP management. We've talked about how you do IPAM, IP address management stuff, but that's easy to say. And I know a lot of a lot of the talk for me has been a little bit surface level. So we wanted to dig in a little bit today. Yeah. And, and so uh, first, thanks for having us on. Right. Uh, yeah. We really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think when you when you look at who is Infoblux, right, I mean, you know, we're, we've been the leader in the DDI space, DDI, DNS, DHCP and IPAM. Right. Uh, we've been the leader in that space for a, for a long time. Right. Um, we're 350, I think 350 of the five, Fortune 500 all use, you know, uh, okay. InfoBlock. Um, and, you know, you, and, but what's really important is, is what does it, what does it do for um, you, you guys like yourselves who are in the trenches, you're managing networks, um, you're typically speaking in K-12, um, you know, you're not dealing with really large, um, you know, uh, teams. And, and so, you know, it's, it's, it can be challenging to, to manage that space. Um, so, you know, I think, I think one of the things that, uh, you know, our IP address management uh, solution is, is somewhere where a lot of folks really kind of uh, cut their teeth, I guess you will, on, on InfoBlox, right? There's a lot of times when um, just helping somebody manage all of their IP space um, is huge. Um, I, I, you know, most, most folks are managing that on a spreadsheet. Um, and, uh, and so we can automate that process and, and, and give you a lot more visibility into what's happening on your network. Um, and, and, you know, as I, as I mentioned earlier, I don't want to just, I don't want to babble on because your, your folks would probably rather hear from somebody more technical than myself. So, 
John, um, your thoughts. Yeah, I think um, I think the biggest thing that Infobox brings is a centralized management plane, right? You, you can go to one place to manage everything to do with your, your IP address scheme and your DNS um, information, right? So you're not having to bounce between several boxes to do that. And in that, it's all um, highly available. So the nice thing is you can manage it all from one place. You can do upgrades without outages and things like that. We've had customers do them live during the middle of the day, right? Um, and, that, and that's key, right? Because especially in the education, right? Because you're trying to cram everything in in the summer. But what happens when a critical patch comes out during the middle of the school year? Right? Sure. Well, you, can't, you can't just not do it. So you have to do it and you need to do minimal impact and it needs to be quick and efficient, right? Because you want to test it and make sure you're ready to go. Um, so that's one of the things we, we provide. And then, um, but, but the key for me uh, really is the, is the ability to manage things from a centralized plane and, and have one place to go to see all of the information about all of my users' IPs and what's going on in my network, right? And as David said, uh, a lot of them we see are, are still doing spreadsheets, right? And you, have, you, you, you know, you do the revision on the file name and you just pray you've got the, the current one and, or you give it to one guy and he manages the whole thing by himself because you don't want duplicates or missed entries and things like that. But then that guy goes on vacation. And so, you, you know, you get into a, a rigmarole trying to figure that out. So the key is to have it all automated and in one place so that you can see what's going on. And um, that, that, uh, that seems to be a, a, big, a big feature for, for most K-12s we talk to. Talk a little bit about um, when, when we had spoken in the past, you guys had mentioned the DNS vulnerability that allows data to transverse over um, port 53 in that DNS protocol. And you guys have a yeah. product to, to prevent that from happening. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of twofold, but we, um, so that's called DNS tunneling. Um, so essentially what happens is uh, someone just uses the DNS uh, packet itself and then they inject data inside of that and they can send it right through your network. Um, because most firewalls on, on end, they don't, they don't look inside the DNS packet to see what's going on. They just look at it and say, yeah, port 53, that's allowed. And then they might, uh, some of the newer ones will look and see if the, the uh, source and destination are good or they're not on a known bad list. Um, so they're doing like a basic check, but they're not looking inside of it to say, hey, yeah, this is actually DNS traffic and it's actually valid, right? Um, so it, it's kind of crazy. Uh, we have a tool that you can run that will let you kind of exploit the network. Now I say that with a grain of salt, make sure you get your, the permission of your network admin and your security team, because they don't like you running. They don't sure. like people running just, just sure. exploits on their network. It is actually an exploit, right? Um, but you can get through, uh, I don't, I haven't been stopped by a firewall yet. Uh, that's just a firewall, um, which is scary, but uh, it's just kind of the nature of the beast, right? Uh, firewalls got really, really good, right? So attackers had to figure out another plane to enter your network. Well, it just so happens the internet is the internet and everybody uses DNS to get to the internet. So that's how they do it. And um, I think the number is somewhere around 92 to 96%, depending on the publication you read, of all malware is DNS-based, right? Um, and that's, that's just simply so they can get out and see the world, right? They can send all that traffic through. When you talk so about have, doing, when you talk about doing like that scanning or what that, that technology, is that like you're putting a device like in our school district or are we pointing our stuff at you? Can you unpack that a little bit? Like how would that yeah. solution work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the answer to that is both. Um, so if you're an Infoblox customer, um, so you have the Infoblox appliances, whether that's virtual or a physical appliance, we can download security feeds from, from our threat analysis right to your appliance and block it from there, uh, which we have okay. some people do on their, like their external DNS, you know, things like that. Um, and so that's one 
one place you can do it. The other is in the cloud. So if you we forward the traffic up to our our cloud instance for DNS, which is highly redundant and things like that, but um, then we can scan it, go through it, and filter it, and then send it back. The beauty of doing it in the cloud is that I'm blocking it before it even comes back to your network, right? So you send the query out. I'm saying that's no good, and then it ends like that, right? Sorry, no good. Not going to send it back. Um, and then I'm going to alert you, to whoever the whomever the admin is, right? Say, hey, look, this is bad. We blocked it. Here's what we did with it. Um, the cool thing is, once you start unpacking how powerful DNS is, um, you can even you can do app filtering, web filtering. You can block kind of whatever you want, um, not just bad things, right? So some sometimes people say, hey, you know, um, I want to make sure I block everything Netflix related, whether it's in the app or whether it's on the web. I don't want students to get to Netflix or whatever it might be, right? Um, so you can block those types of things as well. So kind of like web filtering all built into the same kind of platform. Uh, but the most important part is the security, right? So you can block, you know, all the known bad actors, uh, things like uh, newly formed domains, those, those types of things, those are table stakes. And then also it'll go in and, and look inside the packet, right? Um, and the key, the key to it is our feeds are not just, um, I heard someone quote the other day that we have like a 0.01% um, uh, false positive. Wow. So it's really, really low. So all of our feeds are like super, super efficient. And we, we want you to feel comfortable putting them on. But just in case you don't, you can put them on at first and put them in monitor mode. And we'll just tell you, hey, we saw all this stuff that we could have blocked, but you didn't mm -hmm. want to. So, you know, um, and then you can kind of go through and write exceptions that way. Right. So it's always important when you're first starting out sometimes just to see how bad it is. And they'd be like, no, that's actually, you know, that's actually valid, even though it looks bad uh, or it's on a new domain list or something to that extent. Um, you can say, hey, that one's that one's good. It's us. Right. Um, and when you do that, we can also do things like, hey, you know how someone puts, uh, oh, shoot, David, help me here. I'm forgetting the, the terminology exactly. But when, when you try to do lookalike domains, so like you put a, a one or something instead of an I or an exclamation point, we can oh, also block yeah. those. Yeah, you intentionally yeah. misspell the, the top level domain. Yeah. Yeah. So we can block all those bad actors too, right? And kind of protect your domain from that way too, um, just, in, just in case. Um, so if someone misspells something in, you know, unintentionally, it doesn't take them somewhere they shouldn't go. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Um, so we do all of that as well. But but the key is we block all that in the cloud before it gets back to you. And then we don't just block it. We tell you, hey, we see all this traffic and it's coming from this IP address, which is tied to this user. So go look at this laptop kind of thing. Right. Or th these these three laptops together are talking to each other and sending malware out. So we need you to, you know, go scan those machines and, you know, confiscate them or, or whatever the school policy is. Right. Reimage them. Something to that extent. Um, so we can give you all that data from the cloud all the way down to, Hey, this is the malware. It's on these three machines. These three machines were talking to those four machines kind of thing and break it all down for you. And then we can also do things like tell you, here's what the malware is. Here's what it does. Here's how it affects you and things like that. Um, so we have a whole research Josh, for that. Help me unpack this because I, I don't have my right question, but a lot of what he said, I would compare it to like my firewall. Sure. And then I would compare it to my content filter. Right. And then a lot of it sounds like black hole DNS, but more like it's not just On a list. Yes. Yeah. No, that, yeah. It, and it then a seems, lot of it is next gen antivirus. Right. And it seems like these info blocks, it goes a level deeper in packet inspection than what a standard firewall that you and I might have already. Right. Because he's right. The, the firewalls that we all have, or the majority of them, are going to say, okay, it's going out on port 53. Is it really inspecting that packet to verify that it's actually just a DNS lookup packet? Or is it 
does it have some sort of payload associated to it? I honestly, I mean, from what John's telling me, I, I don't know that my firewall is doing anything beyond saying, okay, port 53 can go yes, out. Looks legit. Yep. Right. Now we, I've got a couple other rules that only certain IPs can get out on to DNS. Um, cause we push everybody to a certain internal DNS. Yep. Um, so yeah, it, it sounds much more efficient. And like you said, John, we point something, uh, false positive. So, you know, we have that problem where, and for whatever reason, newly registered domains, I, I don't know what it is with educational sites and just going out and registering random domains almost every week. We get block alerts on those stupid things constantly. So we're, we're constantly editing the firewall to allow yeah. those. Um, so talk, talk a little bit about um, what you guys can do for DDoS mitigation. Uh, yeah, so we pretty much kind of, this, it's very similar to what your firewall does. We just do it from the DNS layer out in the, out in the cloud before okay. it gets to you. Yeah. Okay. And, and then if, if you want, um, on the Infoblox appliances, you can also put uh, ADP, which is just advanced protection. Um, and it sits at a layer between, between, it's like between the NIC and your DNS engine inside the appliance. So it can block it at that level too. So depending on where the traffic's coming from, hmm. if you will. Um, because we, we see weird stuff. Uh, we see, we some seen, uh, some internal things were misconfigured and it's DDoSing the, the network from the inside. Right. Oh, um, wow. which is terrible, but it, but it does happen. So, uh, you can put ADP anywhere you want. Um, but it sits between the DHP DNS engines and the appliance and the, and the NICs. And so it can, it can block it from there. And then okay. of course, things in the cloud can do that already as well. Um, uh, but yeah, so you can have protection from that as well. So if, if I'm a, a school district, um, and I'm looking to do either a proof of concept or to, or to dip my toe into the Infoblox world. You know, we're, we've got some extra cybersecurity money or we've got, mm-hmm. um, we know this is a priority and we need to, we're, we're vetting vendors and we're wanting to look at Infoblox. What in that, in the K-12 realm of things, where do you see or where would you suggest a school district start down the path or start a conversation with Infoblox, which which product line or which which uh, solution? Yeah, so so honestly, if, if they've got the, the the security money that they have to spend, that would be the threat defense product. And and let, let me tell you, the beauty of the product is it doesn't matter what your backend DNS is, whether that's Microsoft or some other vendors, right? Or it could be bind, it could be open source products for all we care. If you can forward the traffic to me, I can block it. The difference is I can't go back into those products and say it was this particular user that had the issue. Right. Mm. Because we don't own, own the rights to that. Um, if it's ours, we share API information out to everyone, but not everybody else does that. So I can't do that level, but I can still block it in the cloud. And I can tell you, I can tell you where the source IP and the, you know, where did it go? Where was it trying to go? And why did we block it? But you can start there because the beauty of that is, like I said, you can do it monitor mode and I can just show you, here, here's all the bad stuff on your network. Here's everything's trying right. to get out, you know, and then you can flip it on and boom, you're, you're blocking it. And it's just instantaneous. Um, so that's where I would start if, if it's, but in, in reality for Infoblox, it depends on where your pain is, right? If you're, if you're having to deal with having to patch your servers all the time and having outages and, you know, DNS and all that, well, then we would look at the, the DDI solution, right? So we, we can say, Hey, we're fully redundant. We can do this. We can manage it. We have HA, we fail over DHP DNS, no problem. You know, we, we won't have outages when we do our upgrades or things like that. So we can show, so it kind of depends on what your, where your, where your problem is or where your pain point is. Um, but for security money, that would be the threat defense product. Okay. Yeah. How often, when you guys go and you do a proof of concept, um, be it both in the 
K-12 spectrum or in the, the for-profit, the business world, um, when you, when you take your threat defense product in and you say, okay, we're going to, we're going to get this installed. We're going to run this bad boy for a month. We're doing a, you know, you guys have signed contracts or whatever, and you're looking at realistically buying our product. We're going to turn this on for a month and see what happens. How often are you guys getting a phone call in a couple of days saying, you know, holy crap, you're not going to believe what we found, you know, what your product told us we had running yeah. in a dark corner of our network. Yeah, that's that number is really high. Um, I don't know that I have an exact figure for you, but but it's it's the majority. Um, yeah. But the, the language is usually a little bit stronger. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, I don't want to say it, in, you know, on your podcast, but yeah, the language is a lot stronger. And they're like, can we a lot of times? Because like I said, I usually started off in monitor mode because because people freak out when you just say, Hey, I'm going to sure. start stuff on your network. Right. And yeah. if you're a security guy, it should, it should terrify you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you turn that on and then you start showing them and like, Hey, look, look at all this stuff. Or, or usually they're looking at it. Right. Cause they have full access to it. And they're like, yeah, how, how do I flip that switch to block that? Right. Right? Like, right. Show me, show me where that block is. Right. Um, because this is terrifying. Um, and yeah. that's the majority, the vast majority. Um, David might have a, a more exact number on that. I, I mean, I, I'm the guy that goes in and installs and shows you how it works and clicks the buttons, right? He, he right. does with the, the aftermath of that. But, but yeah, um, you know, I, and, and I, I don't have a number, but what I will tell you is that, and, and I think this is kind of an int- interesting thing, um, and, and maybe this is not news to you really technical guys, right? But uh, what's what's interesting to me is that on so many of these attacks, um, the the code has been sitting in your environment for months, months. Mm-hmm. like yeah. three, six months before it even starts to really do anything. It's just yep. sitting there gathering information, right? And and there have been a number of times where we've done a POC and we find something that's literally been sitting in a customer's environment for six months. And there was there was one in particular, and it's a well-known, it was a well-known uh you know hack and or attack. And they had been, the, the virus, had, the malware had been on the network for like six months and had been exporting information for almost three months. Yeah. And they had no clue with all of their firewalls and everything intact. Um, and so, um, you know, those are, the, those are those kind of, wow, kind of eye-opening moments, I think, for people when they, when they take a look at something like threat defense and you, you go in and you find things that have just been sitting there for a while and you had no clue. right yeah we we chris and i know a tech director in the st louis market um that they recently had a breach it's it's been about a year ago now where at the post-mortem of it they the the malware the actor and the malware had been in their network for over three months and he they had been in and out of their network um, several times just looking at things. And then it, after that three month period is when they, you know, flipped the switch and everything went to hell in a handbasket. Um, so yeah, it's, that's, that's the frightening thing to me because, you know, it's, I think all of us are under the, uh, we operate under the assumption that it's not if, but when, and if it's, if, and if it's when, and and it's actually three months ago was my win. And I just don't know it yet. That's, That's the fear that I have. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, and that's why you cry every night before bed. <laughs> yeah, that's why I have a glass of bourbon every night before I so, go to bed. Oh, there you go. You know, one of our uh, one of our security specialists uh, was doing a presentation just recently, and he was talking about the motivation behind what drives the guy or the person who's who's launching these attacks, right? 
And, you know, he, it's, it's interesting because he, he called it crimeware as a service. Yeah. And, you know, guys in, uh, you know, in the Ukraine and, and areas like that, that with a master's degree earn $200 a month. Yeah. Um, but they can, in a matter of weeks, they can, they can turn several thousand dollars by hacking somebody for you. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, um, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. You can kind of tell them, here's exactly what I want to do. And they'll go out and they'll figure out how to do it. Well, um, and you it's, know, it's no different than a student hiring a DDoS attack. You know, we, we've had that happen a couple of times. There, there are free services out there and other cheap services that are better at it that you can go out and create an account, say, okay, hit this, here's my IP, hit it. And, and they'll, they'll do it. They've got a, a yep. bot network of people that, that, you know, now you're under, you're under attack. Um, yep. That's, that's the part where I did a, a board report. Um, it was in the winter. And that, I, that was one of the things I found some data from Homeland Security that they went over the major attack types and what it cost to hire that out, like ransomware as a service and DDoS as a service. Um, and, and they were all just absolutely shocked. Like, you mean I can go out and spend five dollars and take down somebody's network? I'm like, yeah, you could. You know, in the next ten minutes, you could do it easily. Um, and I, that's where a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah, what's crazy is uh, if you uh, it sits through this presentation, which he's also given to to the Senate, so he's got some credibility. You can literally go and say, I want to attack this company, and then it'll do a drop down and say, these are the security tools they have. So this is how you're going to get in. It's going to cost wow. this much, and how much money you'll make from doing this particular attack. So wow. you can literally out and say, I want to invest six grand and my, I want a six times rate of return. And this is the company I want to attack. Holy cow. And That's then they'll send right. it. Yeah. It's, it's just, and it's literally a drop down menu system. You can literally just go through um, because the first place they hacked was the cybersecurity um, companies that, that control all of the um, insurance policies. Oh, right. So, so now, because, because everybody has to get a good rate. So they got to report all the stuff that they have. Right. Which is great because you got to have those things, but yeah. But now I know, well, you run this and you run this and you run this and you run this. Okay. So that leaves this part over here open. Right. Yeah, or, so, or yeah. we, we know you're running X, Y, Z that has a vulnerability that, you know, they may not cover this, you know, this certain attack vector, uh, as, as quite as well. So we're going to, we're going to hit that. Right. Um, that's all. Yeah, it, yeah, it's crazy. crazy. It's crazy. It really opened my eyes when, when they, when they would guarantee you a rate of return. That's what, that's what blew that me away. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, that's frightening. Now and then, then I yeah. understood why this is such a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and this might be a question for David. I'm, I'm, and I'm just trying to think through if I am a, if, if, if I feel good about. I'm just trying to think about where this fits, and I feel like it's another. You know, I mean, security is all about layers and 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 what you're doing. So, if I feel good about my firewall, my content filter, if I'm doing some DNS stuff already, if I feel decent about my antivirus. And you're you're talking to me and you're asking me questions. Where does this fit? Or or do you think I'm looking at this a lot if I'm if I am in the market for a new firewall or in the market for those things? Like where do you think you fit in it? If if I I I guess if, if I'm a tech department with this is my tech budget and this is my security budget, but I hear this and this is obviously more layers and good stuff. How do you think you help me figure out how I'm going to pay for info blocks? Like, what's my pitch to my super going to be? How does, what do you think it, how, how does it fit? 
Um, so and that was a that was a jumbled up question. So I hope you can answer. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I get where you're going with it, and I'll, I'll I'll give you my answer, and then you know John may want to add something to it. But um, so one is that using DN when you're when you're using DNS um, protection and using the InfoBlocks threat defense, one is you're getting this stuff very early in the kill chain. Right. I mean, you're getting it really before it gets to the network. Um, so that's one thing. I mean, the other thing, and, and we haven't really talked about this. Um, I don't. I don't think unless I was, you know, uh, daydreaming or something. But uh, but all those threat feeds and all of the all the threat intel that that Infoblox has um, and that you get as a part of our solution. And this is something really unique with Infoblox is that we allow you to share that intelligence with the rest of your security stack. So okay. we actually, so we can actually help make your firewall better. I was going to say, I think you and I, David, one time talked about, I have a Palo Alto firewall. And I think we talked about how the, I mean, InfoBlox and it can complement each other and can, can go back and forth some. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I think that's really a, a big part of the value. One is we, we, we get to the, we get to the attack earlier. Um, so, and, and when you, when you talk about, you can catch 90, you know, again, you know, depends on who you ask, but somewhere north of 90% of malware is DNS based. So if you can get 90%, um, here, um, and, and nobody gets everything, right? Uh, not one tool gets everything. Uh, we, we actually have some, some data that, that, ex, you know, shows like it, you know, here's what Palo Alto finds and here's what. Fortinet finds and here's mm -hmm. you know, um, and there's a lot of overlap, but there's there's parts that don't overlap, and so having kind of a multi pronged approach is really a great idea. Um, and again, the fact that we allow you to share all that intelligence with everything else in your security stack, um, you know, if you're running a NAC solution, um, your firewalls, uh, SIM and SOAR platforms, things like that, um, you know, we we allow you to exchange that information. We we have a we have a team of um, twenty threat researchers, full time threat researchers. Um, I'm sorry, I think it's it's more than that, isn't it, John? It's like twenty eight somewhere in there. They're hiring yeah. every day, so I don't know. Yeah, um, but and that team that team is led by a twenty year veteran of the NSA. Hmm. Awesome. So yeah. um, and, this and is some I, really serious stuff. Yeah, I, I would I would add a highlight to that that there, we're under contract. We we actually provide the feeds to some of the uh, governmental agencies like Homeland Security and those those types. So they're they're entrusting us with that as for their, some of their feeds as well. But um, I, I, I want to just kind of echo on something David said, because because I guess because I'm old, but it's kind of like back in the day, back in the day when you had firewalls, right? You used to be all of it just put on the perimeter, right? And, th and then it became, oh, well, well, no, now we need two. We need an internal and an external firewall. And you kind of start layering your things. And, and then for a while it was, well, we should probably have like Cisco on the edge and we'll do, you know, Palo Alto on the interior or, you know, things like that. Right. So you're, you're layering your security approach. This is much like that. It's very additive, right? Um, we're never going to go in and say, you should, you should just replace your firewall because we don't do a lot of stuff that the firewall does just like the firewall doesn't do a lot of stuff that we do. Right. So it's very additive. Um, so that, that does make that discussion a little bit more difficult, but it's, it's almost always cheaper than getting malware and, yeah. playing, and paying ransomware. Right. Right. Um, if you can block it at the edge before it gets to any of that stuff internal, that, that report is really easy to write. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, you could almost explain it of, uh, this is a, InfoBlox is almost like a preventative measure where you're, 
you're like David said, you're stopping it so early in that kill chain where you could almost view your AV, your antivirus as a reactive because that file is already there. You know, the, the employee, the teacher has already downloaded a file and tried to run it. The AV had to kick in and kill it. Whereas yeah. if it was going out and looking for a DNS, looking up for a DNS lookup for a site to download that file, Infoblox would have already stopped that if it was a known threat already. Um, exactly. So almost like a, like a, yeah, preventative and reactive type solution. Yeah. And, and what's crazy is we even do stuff down to the cell phone layer if, if you wanted to protect teachers or whatever. So if someone sends you a text with a bad link in it or a shortened link and you click on it and it's, it's actually known bad, we'll block that too. We wow. can do it at that layer. Yeah. Can you uh, do anything about the new. spam phone calls that I keep getting? You know, in my car warranty is about <laughs> to expire. But your car's warranty. Yeah. yeah. See, now you're going to take me back into the phone days. We used to we used to write call scripts for that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, David, if if somebody wanted to get a hold of you to talk more about Infoblox and and what you guys could do for them, what what's the best way to get a hold of you or one of your teammates? So you can just email me. It's just dcase, D-C-A-S-E, at infoblox.com. And that's blocks with an X. Um, so it's just dcase at infoblox.com. Um, or they can call me. My my cell number is 913-424-5212. And I was going to say, too, because I think I unpacked this a little bit before. It definitely sounds like if you are wanting to add a layer of security or if, like was mentioned, DNS is a woe for you or DHCP management, IP address, IPAM stuff. If you're thinking about adding layers to that or doing something to that, it's best just to reach out to you and then you kind of say, this is what, like, Infoblox says, this is what we can do for you, for you the school district. Like, it, it needs to get tailored and, like, let's figure out how this is best best for you because it sounds like there's a lot of options here. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. So, uh, you know, we have, because we have premise-based solutions, we have cloud-managed solutions, um, and, you know, there's, and, and there's a lot more to the Infoblox story than what we've talked about tonight. Um, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot more there. Um, and, and I think what we, what we really don't want to do is just, uh, try to go in and just push a push a product. We, we really want to go in and we want to find out what are the pain points? What are, what are mm -hmm. you struggling with or what are, what are you concerned about? Right. I mean, it, it may, you may be, it may be that you're concerned about something that hasn't happened yet, but you never want it to happen. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, I did just some quick research, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And in a matter of just a few minutes, I was able to find at least five ransomware attacks just in the state of Missouri in K-12. Oh, those, those are just the ones I found pretty easily with the Google search, right? And I'm sure there's plenty others because um, there's probably a lot of them that don't get reported, you know, in the, in the public sphere. Um, and so, you know, if, if that's one of those things, I don't want to be that one of those statistics, right? Um, so we can talk about preventative measure, but, but really it's, it's about marrying up what, what are the, what are the issues? What are the pain points that you have and what's the solution that we have that helps address that? Like it, Josh, you go first. you like, you, you, you get with David and get all your stuff figured <laughs> out. I'll watch you. Well, yeah. and, you and know, that, next. that brings up an interesting thing. Cause really school districts, we all talk to each other and we all, you know, once we find a good product, someone, someone finds a good product, it's, it's very common to see that product spread. Um, so I, what I see, what I see happening is one or two 
school districts get info blocks and see a huge value in it and start crowing about it in, in the yeah. forums that we have. And, and that's where I see it spreading. That's how I see that taking. Yeah. If I, if I, well, I'm going to say this, I am used to a security. I say firewall content filter antivirus. And I could just stop at that. No, I typically would throw in like black hole DNS kind of thing. But if my tech budget, um, is only firewall content filter antivirus. This is I'm adding to that tool. So if I'm a yeah. if I'm a small school district or a huge school district, but like and that that's the world that we live in. We need to get beyond just firewall content filter antivirus um, if we want to have a fighting chance against the bad guys. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, you know. And I think um, when when board members start to look at, I I, I tend to think that board members are probably scared of the thought of ransomware attacks. Yeah. And and the cost, um, you know, I mean, I, I know of school districts that have been, they literally have been closed down for days because yeah. of the rent. The, you know, the lost revenue, the lost teaching time, just the interruption to everything um, that comes along with that. Nobody wants to experience that. And, and so those are the, you know, those are kind of the talking points when you're talking to the board about why this is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, that something else I, I kind of throw out there and I've, I've done this in the past in, you know, previous roles where I've actually gone and presented to boards to explain to them the importance of what, you know, you as a tech director are trying to do here, why it's important that you do, um, go down the path that you've outlined. So, you know, we, we've helped, we've helped do things like that as well. Yeah. I, and I think board members are starting to get more of a keen sense of awareness to this and, and school leaders in general, I'll put it that way, that that's that, um, you know, superintendent and assistant superintendent level plus board members, because there are now there's a couple different conferences in Missouri anyway, where those leadership roles go to and they have session more and more of those sessions are end up being talks from school districts that have been hit with something that had to close for a week or three days. And, and now it's, you know, it's, it's been said so many times that they're starting to remember it. And those discussions have gotten easier. I know for me, um, those discussions or spending that dollar has gotten a little bit easier because they know they don't want to end up in that same situation where we're, we're calling off school for three days burning, you know, some of our alternative instruction days because something bad happened on the network. Um, yeah. yeah, that that's worst case scenario. And I think more and more of them are, are hearing that drumbeat, it seems like. If, if nothing else, Josh, I feel like I can go back, pitch InfoBlox, get told no. <laughs> and then when something bad happens, I can say, see, should have went yeah. InfoBlox. Yeah, tried, tried to tell you. <laughs> yeah, you're you're an out for me. Yeah. <laughs> did we miss uh, anything right. any closing thoughts no i mean I, Kill it? I i think for me you know closing thoughts i mean if um uh, if somebody was is interested they want to just dig a little deeper or or look at a specific solution for their particular scenario give us a call you yeah. know no no pressure well we uh we're, we're really all about finding solutions for customers i like it all right sounds good Guys, we appreciate the time you spent with us tonight on a, you know, weeknight. You could be doing other things, but we appreciate you being here. And I really hope that our listeners, at least uh, if there's a little bit of interest, reach out to you and show you some love uh, for coming on and and spending some time with us tonight. Um, We appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.
So Chris, you and I have, uh, you know, we've got, uh, we had that announcement last week that we're, we've got an interview coming up with um, Tyler and Infinite Campus. You know, they made that announcement last yes. week that uh, Tyler seems to be getting out of the student information system realm and they are pushing all of their customers or they have signed an agreement with Infinite Campus to migrate all of their student information system customers to Infinite Campus. Um, you and you did some uh, some legwork last week and and tweeted both Tyler and Infinite Campus, I believe, and we got some reaction. It seemed like we got we got some retweets. Um, and then, long story short, uh, their media relations manager. We had some email exchanges on that, uh, so we are set up um, to interview. Uh, some folks, uh, one from Infinite Campus and one from Tyler Technologies um, in the middle of August. So that will be after the big webinar that they're going to do to talk about, you know, how that what that path is supposed to look like. Uh, but we'll get to do some follow up questions. And I think we'll get to dig a little bit technical with with them on how the migration is supposed to work. Yeah. So those webinars are next week. I think both of them there is there one next week and the week after. I think they're both next week. Um, and I, there was an email from someone with Tyler this week that said, if you go to the webinar or you attend the webinar, that you will be contacted by an implementation person or a conversion person shortly thereafter about your timeline. So it sounds like they are going to assign timelines for you. Um, I sure would not want to convert in the middle of the year. Yeah. I, I, man, surely they're not going to make people do that. Um, I, I could see a, summertime conversion being the easiest way to go sure. about it. <clears throat> and I think a lot of people are kind of leaning that way because on that FAQ page, it pretty much states that they've stopped development on SIS 360 or Tyler 360, whatever the heck it's. Um, so the fear is that, you know, no more development. Okay. What's that mean for support? Are those support people going to infinite campus? Are they moving to other Tyler products? So right. the fear is, is that service, is that support service um, going to decline? Yeah, I know our staff have questions. I mean, we were in the middle of migrating over to online registration. Well, no. why would we do that? Right. Um, if a year later, we're going to do something completely different. Yeah, I was on an email chain, uh, some CIS users in St. Louis that were rolling out their free introduced lunch thing with Tyler. And like the live date was supposed to be, you know, start a school year, whatever, online enrollment. And they got an email late last week that said, yeah, uh, your live date was supposed to be August 3rd. Um, we're pulling the plug on that. We're not moving. Forward. So uh, the writing's already on the wall. They're they're yeah. no longer divide, developing on 360. They're pulling back some migrations uh, to some of the products they have. So, man, I really hope this doesn't mean a worse support experience because uh, they've made some changes with how their support works over the last year to 18 months. And it's... Uh, been kind of painful. I uh, and this is a good time to go ahead and plug this. I think if if you have questions already um, that you would like us to ask, uh, go ahead and email us. What's our K twelve Tech Talk at, at gmail.com? Gmail. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, because we we want to ask those. Uh, and and I was talking to a colleague today, and I wrote down what questions um, were being asked of him already. Like one was about Pulse. What happens to the Pulse product? Like what's the Infinite Campus? Uh, alternative because they're heavy into that for their school district. Uh, they asked about, you know, Desi, uh, our, our state education department, they have a contract with Tyler Technologies that CIS right. is like the recommended one. So 
what happens with that is infinite campus going to magically be the state recommended one. Right. Um, or is this a time when the state's going to put that out again and that could change? Uh, and then even just the woes of, I was just talking about finally insists I have clever tweaked. Um, yeah. I have, he, he was talking about, he uses RevTrack for payment systems. All those things that we have in there that, that have been there for a long time. How does, how does all that stuff move over? Yep. Like when we talk about migrating over to a new product, what, the, what does that look like? Well, from a, from a training standpoint, and, th- and this isn't Tyler's problem or Infinite Campus's problem. Well, it's kind of going to be Infinite Cam- Campus's problem. But scheduling training and getting building secretaries trained, teachers trained, food service people trained, you know, and, and you brought up fines and fees and rev track. Good Lord. How many, just, I don't know, man, just the idea of training everyone on a new student information so, system that that alone could be a three month project. And I think, you know, have you ever, have you ever moved over to a new sys before? Not in education. I haven't done a sys, but I, I, when I was at the hospital, um, 10 years ago, we, we migrated to a new health information system. Okay. Um, and, and that was, you know, there were groups of 20 to 30 people going down to the training rooms at any given time for training an hour at a time. You know, they had to bring in pe- more nurses to work the shift on the floor so that yep. the nurses from the floor could go get trained. So, you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around, okay, does that mean building secretaries are going to come in during the summer, which they normally don't get, they don't work and get paid an hourly rate to come in and get trained on infinite campus. What, what about teachers? You know, are you going to do a train the trainer where you train grade level, grade level leaders during the summer? Okay. Are they going to get extra pay? Cause that's outside their contracted hours. Um, That's I previous school district, uh, Limburger STI, and it was moving or whatever. You were kind of being forced into a move, but then we landed on Power School, so we left Limburger for Power School, and it was—I mean, it's just such a chore. It's such a big deal. It impacts so many people. I mean, it's yeah. everyone. It's everything, yeah. and it's so many different. Um, it's it's many different pieces. Yeah, it's attendance. It's scheduling. It's payment systems. Uh, it's state reporting. By the way, side note. It's just, it's just so many pieces and so many people. It's a really big deal. Previous school district too. Like it is wearing on relationships. Like sure. And I, I, I clearly remember uh, this because we moved from, we moved to power school um, at that previous school district at an interesting time. It was also when Missouri was introducing Moses stuff for the first time. So, and, and introducing the, that, that Moses was more than just the student ID number that it was going to be used for all these other things and state reporting was changing. And I got blamed for power school and Moses changes happening at the same time. Like people, I, I had a particular secretary that associated <laughs> all of her woes of state reporting and all those changes with me, which it wasn't just me, but me deciding to move us to power school. Yeah. Uh, and when she retired, um, I was like, hey, congratulations, blah, blah, blah. She told me that she was sorry. Um, and then she started crying that she held things against me all, wow. those, all those years. And I was like, I didn't actually know that you like hated me. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I mean, that's the point, though. It's, it was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, it, 
you you need to do this together and it's a right. lot of people right um, i don't look forward to it i'm not looking no. forward to it just like i said the training aspect of it already concerns me this time next year if we migrate this summer what what does that look like this time right. next year I, I have a feeling we would be already knee deep in training already right so for whatever reason tyler technologies and infinite <laughs> campus has agreed to come on the pod uh, they don't know what they've done and i let's tease it i guess the two people that are coming we have been given their names and we know their positions and we're re- like i mean we're kind of in shock that we got yeah. that we got yeah. who we got it's going to yeah. be a big deal yeah very big deal and i not, don't know if th- i don't know if these guys are going to be on the webinar you agree. know agree yes yeah. they they could be yeah here's the teaser on the pod we've booked people that maybe above webinar attendance right that's how elevated they are El- webinar presenters yes yes yeah. these are the people who send presenters yeah clearly they haven't listened to the k12 tech talk podcast or maybe they have and they like <laughs> us i mean if they like anyone they like mark so they're gonna we're gonna yeah. have to like mark mark's gonna have to miss that episode he might have yeah or he needs to like lead the whole thing i'll just put myself up yeah yeah because mark's way more professional than we are um, he was just texting us um he was just checking in oh did he i so didn't clearly he could have actually joined oh yeah Way to go, Mark. He said he just put the horse into the stable. Oh. Stable? Stable. Yeah, that's right. I wonder if he ever bought a um, a cowboy hat. All right. Uh, I, he wouldn't be able to wear the cowboy hat in the sailboat. It'd blow off. Um, right. So that was episode 82. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Was it 82? It. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate InfoBlocks coming on, David and John. Um, yeah. Come back next week. Tweet us. Uh, your thoughts, your questions for Tyler and Infinite Campus K-12 Tech Talk pod. We're not one of those other ones. That brings up a point. There are some imitators out there now, I have noticed, Haters. that uh, have started podcasts around K-12 technology that have very, very similar names to ours. Um, I'm not sure if that's on purpose or not, but uh, make sure you're you're at the real deal. Uh, K-12 Tech Talk pod. On yeah, Twitter. there's, I think... I mean, K-12 Tech Podcast. Right. That's stupid. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that the other day. Uh, Oh, that's that one that's been around for a little bit, too. Because we tried to throw... I tried to hate on them. You tried to buy their Twitter account, I think. Um, (laughs) All right. That's all I got. You got anything else, Chris? No. There's one that's the K-12 Tech Podcast. Yeah. And they're actually oh. a company that sells Chromebook or one-to-one services or something. If you're out there, if you're listening, we're coming. Quit, quit copying. All right. Thanks for listening. We will see you next week.